And I started to do what was called the Sunday Soul Pop-Up Restaurant, where I would rent tables and chairs and linens. I would bring out fresh flowers and actually create a menu and allow people that were experiencing homelessness to actually sit down and dine with dignity and feel like they were at this restaurant. For Jasmine Crow, this moment prompted the launch of her startup, Gooder, which is on a mission to rescue food in real time and deliver it to those in need. It works like your favorite ride request app with a social good mission. The drivers pick up food instead of passengers, and the drop-off locations are nonprofits feeding the hungry. Today's episode focuses on Jasmine and how she's building her business. On Peach and Prosperity, we tell local homegrown Atlanta stories and follow the founder's journey. While our first two episodes have focused on food, bread for humans, biscuits for dogs, instead of eating food, this episode we're focused on rescuing it and giving it away to those in need. Let's start in the iTunes store, where many a business begins. So right now our app is in business to business. So um, the general population can't use it yet. We just haven't figured out a way for people that don't have food to really interact with our app. But how the app works is it allows businesses to donate their surplus food. So at the end of the day, when they have food that they want to donate, they can literally click on request a pickup. They could go through search and click all the items that they have to donate. We're able to calculate how many pounds those items weigh immediately, but also we're able to tell them their estimated tax savings. So once they confirm their order, we send out a driver. A driver gets an alert that food is available, how many pounds it is, how how it's packaged in steam pans, boxes, sometimes bags and bins. Um, Drivers can then select the pickup and they get instructions on who they're meeting, uh, the contact information, directions, and then where they're dropping off to. Uh, And it's really a simple thing. So we like to say that we put in the power of the hand the idea that we could really solve hunger. So that's what our clients are doing every time that they donate. They're feeding people with the click of a button. As she sets out to combat the annual $200 billion in food waste in the U.S., Jasmine guided us through how her app works. Typically a 30 to 45 minute pickup time after they put in a request, it'll go out to all of our drivers and the driver can select, I'm picking this up, and it alerts all the other drivers that that order has already been taken care of. Um, Our driver arrives, they have a list of everything that they're picking up, and they confirm that they've got the food, and they get a list of which nonprofits are in the area that can accept the food right now, and they deliver to it, and it's that simple. So our average uh, pickup to delivery time is about seven to nine minutes and that's because we find locations in and around so we're not taking food from you know Buckhead to Gwinnett we're taking food from Buckhead maybe to Brookhaven to Buckhead Christian Ministries churches and places that are right in around uh, where they're located so that's pretty much how the process works it's very quick Um, our second option that we have a lot of our larger clients like the airport and the convention center on is a much more scheduled option so they know that we're going to come in every night at a a certain time and capture food from all of the restaurants and so any restaurant during the day can just push in all of their surplus food and we're picking it up at a scheduled time on a daily basis so very much like a valet service as the busiest airport in the world hartsfield jackson atlanta international is one of her biggest clients 
Many others have joined on. Our largest client to date right now is the Atlanta airport. And within there, there's 175 restaurants. And I wouldn't want to say any of them are larger than the other. They're all amazing. Um, Georgia World Congress Center is probably where we get the most food from at this time because it's a convention center. So they make a lot of food for a lot of people. Uh, Andretti's Indoor Carding and Games, of course, Pont City Market. Um, we're working on onboarding two really big clients that we'll announce really soon as well. Um, and Turner Broadcasting Systems was our first to really believe in us. With each of our founders, we asked them to tell us why they launched in Atlanta. Well, I was living in Atlanta, so that's the first thing that got started there. But Atlanta has a great need. You know, you have 755,000 people that are going to go to bed hungry tonight, and that's including over 300,000 children and another 70,000 seniors. So it's a problem, and this is where we were at. This is where the idea birthed at. Will we be in Atlanta forever? Absolutely. Will this be the only city we're in? Absolutely not. We're already looking at which cities we go to next and why, um, and beginning a plan of expansion launching in other cities. So, of course, we work with the large nonprofits like Atlanta Mission, Gateway Center. Uh, we work with the Veterans Empowerment Center. In addition to that, we work with a lot of senior homes. So our largest senior partner in the area is National Church Residences, and they have 16 properties, um, and these are all affordable housing units for seniors um, over 65. And seniors are the second largest hunger population in the country, um, many of them receiving, of course, just $16 a month in food stamp benefits, which we all know $16 doesn't go really far when you're buying food these days. So we serve a lot of seniors, upwards of 1,000 to 3,000 seniors a week, depending on the load of, of food that we have. Um, other than that, we work with really small nonprofits. I think that's what's going to make us different, is we want to get right into the community. We know that the big nonprofits will eat regardless if we're serving them or not, just because of the food bank, other donor relationships that they have, and, and, and we love that. We love to be a value add to them, but we're really focused on getting right into communities, working with churches, working with a nonprofit that maybe has an operating budget of $1,000 a year because it's a mother and daughter that wanted to do something good for their community. So we open up our nonprofit registration to pretty much any nonprofit that's willing to serve in this capacity. And that list is pretty extensive in the Atlanta area, over 900. As Gooder approaches 1 million pounds of food donated, Jasmine has big aspirations of where they'll be headed next. Yeah, one of the things we look at when we think of expansion is we're looking at market size, how many potential clients are there that have a lot of food. So how much supply do we have? We also look at need. Um, are there uh, an extensive amount of shelters? Are there children, seniors, uh, people that are experiencing hunger at higher rates than other cities? And then, of course, we look at density. How quickly can we move the food from the place of supply to the demand? And with that, we have several cities in mind, which include Los Angeles, uh, Miami, Chicago, Orlando, Washington, D.C. is another one for us. So we have uh, Seattle. We have a pretty extensive top 10 um, that we're looking at. Las Vegas, of course, tons of food on one street, which makes our operation logistically a lot easier to just drive down the street and get food from all these places and then take it and get it to people in need. So who's helping Jasmine make her tech good dreams come true? 
She's built an impressive Rolodex. Some of the mentors in the Atlanta area have been um, Jewel Burke. She was the founder of Park Pick, which sold to Amazon. She's been amazing at having been a black woman as well that's in the tech space. So it's pretty hard for us to raise funds and to really kind of garner a lot of support. But I've gotten a ton of support from her. James Bailey is one of my mentors here in the Atlanta area. Ambassador Andrew Young always gives me great advice. Eric Fears. I have the founders of CrowdRise. They recently sold to GoFundMe. Jeffrey and Robert, they, Wolf, they've been amazing. Um, God, there's so many. I feel like I'm forgetting some. But I have a ton. I literally have at least 20 or 30 mentors that I'm keeping up with on a weekly basis and letting them know what I need help with, how things are going, and I get great feedback and support from them. And is getting a little help from one of the most prominent incubators in the country. But it hasn't come easy. Yeah, we are currently in the Techstars Anywhere program. Really exciting opportunity. Um, I applied for Techstars back in 2017 in April, literally like around the same time last year. And it was just me. I wasn't ready. I didn't have a team. Um, I was selected as an alternate. And a lot of times you need that rejection to, to get you on the right path. And so that feedback that I got from them was that, you know, I'm really concerned about your team. You can't do this alone. You really need some people to support you. And it was true. And I took that advice and started trying to build a team. She took that advice. And now is access to guidance from some of the best tech founders in the country. Uh, so Techstars Anywhere allows us to spend one week in a different city each month. Um, so, so far we've been to Los Angeles, Boulder, and upcoming in San Francisco. During those times, we get to meet with different investors, different mentors, and then get an education that I would almost um, equate to like a Harvard Business School startup experience um, in those weeks. So we get a ton of knowledge. And I think it has helped me immensely understanding just how big the market is and how big the opportunity is for Gooder, but also how to harness the relationships with mentors and the advice that I've received to build a business that's sustainable and around for many years. Now, Jasmine is raising her first round, looking for $1.5 million in Series A funding. In Atlanta, she's definitely found great partners. We interviewed Jasmine at one of her newest client locations. It's also the hottest destination in Atlanta for locals and tourists. Um, we're really excited, first of all, just to even be working with Pont City Market. It was about six months in getting this deal to actually come through. We started talking to them originally in August, and here we are um, in March, almost April, about to fully launch here. So some of the restaurants that we're working with in Ponce include Bellina. We also have Hops, um, Batiwala. So we're just excited because this is one of the most renowned food halls in the South. Um, and I think everyone in Atlanta and, and around the country has heard of Pont City Market. It's just legendary. It means a lot to us uh, to have this opportunity. In addition to the food halls, we also have several businesses within Pont City Market that we're working with. So that includes MailChimp, um, also Pivotal Labs, which is a really great software company. So it's just really exciting. I love it. I Love it. As you see, everything is just a vibrant space. It's lunch. This place is crowded. And so, so much food is often being made. And sadly, just food goes to waste. No matter what a restaurant does, there's not a true level of predictability that a restaurant ever has on how many people are coming for lunch, how many people are coming for dinner, how much food needs to be prepped. And so 
inevitably there's just always food waste and at the same time there's always people that are going hungry so i look at these as two really big problems that can solve each other as we learned from each of our founders building a business can be tough in particular with this unique model are not a nonprofit. I think a lot of people think that, hey, they're doing something really great. They're taking food and they're delivering it to people and feeding the hungry and, and they're a nonprofit. And we're not. We are a for-profit business. I like to say for-profit, for good. Uh, we do have hurdles of sometimes getting businesses to understand that we are a service that has to be paid for. And we spend a lot of money to offer this service via insurance, via packaging materials, supplies, our technology. Uh, so we're not a nonprofit. And so that's one of the hurdles that we have once we get past that and get businesses to understand that in order to really address sustainability issues within your company and in order to address hunger, we have to put capital behind it. And that's how we work. And so that's sometimes a hurdle getting getting past that. Uh, another hurdle is getting people past the fear. Um, no matter what we do, we have, you know, certified surf safe food handlers that move your food. We have agreements with all the nonprofits that receive your food. We have liability insurance. We make sure that all the nonprofits we re- we deliver the food to are in good standing. Uh, we do everything to make it to where you do not have to worry about donating food with Gooder, but people are still afraid. And I think we have to lose the fear and the hunger fight. There are too many people that are going to bed hungry for you to say, I'm afraid to donate this food, so I'm going to keep throwing it away. While people literally right next door to my company are going to bed hungry. So that's the biggest hurdle, um, getting people past that fear. And it takes, you know, weeks and weeks and sometimes months, even when we bring on a client, just getting through legal. But Jasmine has that passion that we've seen from each of our founders. She's focused and And determined. I have a saying that hunger is not a scarcity issue, it's a logistics issue, and that's what we come in to solve. And it's a logistics issue on both sides, from the businesses that have the food, that don't have time to pack it up, find a place to deliver it to, get in their car, deliver it to a location, get the donation receipts, getting all that information together. Um, But at the same time, it's a logistics issue on people that are experiencing hunger because a lot of times they don't have vehicles to access food banks and food pantries because all of those things have been in existence for many years. And I think they're amazing. Everybody that's in this fight is needed. But the reality is a lot of people don't have access to transportation to get to these places. And that's why in many, many years since the very first food bank popped up in the early 70s, we still have one in seven people that are food insecure. So when you walk into a restaurant or to a venue that has food, what's going through your mind? Are you thinking this could be my next partner? Yeah, I mean, to get started with Gooder, when I was doing what I would call customer discovery, every restaurant I went to, I asked the server, what what do you guys do with your surplus food? And time after time, they're like, oh, I don't know. I think we have to throw it away because people could get sick and there's liability issues or we throw it away, we throw it away. And the reality is there is a lot of protection available to clients to donate this food. It's just kind of been that fable, that myth that has lived on for so many years. Oh, if I donate this food, I'm going to get sued. Where the truth is that has not happened. Since the bill, since President Bill Clinton enacted the Good Samaritan Act in 1996, there's been no case cases where any charges have been, any uh, civil proceedings have been tried in the courts for or against the law. So it's just 
I tell people we have to lose the fear and the hunger fight um, and everywhere I go, especially where our big business kind of mentality is now. We like to go to one location with a lot of food in one place. So anytime I'm in a place like Pont City Market where we are today or at the airport in another city, um, anywhere where there's just a lot of food hotel conferences, I'm, I cringe because I know there's a lot of food. And if they're not my client at the time of that food going to waste, it's just it never feels good. Before she was building Gooder, Jasmine was baking up other business ideas. I started the cupcake truck, um, Sweet Jones is what it was called in Phoenix, Arizona, in 2011. And it was really just, it was a craze at the time. Food trucks were really big. um, And in Phoenix, there was not a cupcake truck. But even when I had that cupcake truck, we had all of our cupcakes were named after like rock and roll and R&B legends. And we had one um, that went to charity. So like 25 cents of every one of those cupcakes, we donated to a different charity, but we also donated all of the cupcakes to people in need. So cupcakes never went to waste. And Phoenix has a really big homeless population as well, just because of the weather. So when you're looking at a place that 300 days out of the year, there's sun, um, people that live on the streets, sadly, are going to gravitate to those places because it's just a more um, stable place of living for them. So we would actually pull up our truck downtown and give away all those cupcakes. And we would also donate them to shelters. We did a lot of like giveaway events, raffling off cupcakes. So it has always been in me, I think, to serve through food. And this is just a different way. We look forward to following Gooder's growth. You know, after we talked to Jasmine, I found myself wanting to reach for the app when we're at the restaurant with leftovers. Yeah, definitely. Or even just at the grocery store at the end of the night when you often see food being tossed out, there's a huge market for her to tackle. So speaking of eating... We did want to update you on an outstanding question we left you with from our last episode. Did we or didn't we taste a Big Daddy biscuit? If you don't know what we're talking about, press pause and go back and listen to episode two. Then keep listening here. Spoiler alert, we did not taste a biscuit, although Julia was pretty convincing. (laughs) Thanks, but if you want your chance to taste test have that opportunity. We're hosting a podcast launch party on June 20th in Atlanta. We plan to go behind the scenes on our first few episodes, and you're invited to join us. Keep an eye on our social media for more information and event registration details. Thanks for listening to Peach and Prosperity. Prosperity.